T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk, On Demand Audio. I saw this piece that really struck me, which was called Black Dignity, The Struggle Against Domination, written by a uh, black professor in uh, Philadelphia at Villanova. And the story that he told is very similar to some of the things that we've shared on the air today about anti-wokeness, or not today, but throughout the years on anti-wokeness. So uh, read the piece. Told Fred right away, we got to do something on this. And, and Fred reached out and got Vincent Lloyd. He's a professor and the director of the Center for Political Theology at Villanova University. He also wrote a book called Black Dignity, The Struggle Against Domination. And this um, this piece, which is called The Black Professor Trapped in Anti-Racist Hell, is quite eye-opening. Vincent Lloyd, thank you for coming on 97.1 FM Talk. Professor, how are you? I, I'm doing well, although we, we could be a bit better here in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, you know, I you brought it up, so I, I guess we have to go down that path. We're kind of chief. I'm a Chiefs fan, but it was a good game, wasn't it? <laughs> it, it was uh, made it made it worth watching. A bit of excitement. Yeah, I thought, boy, everyone's picking the Eagles, and I certainly thought it was going to be the Eagles year. And Jalen was my fantasy quarterback, Professor Lloyd. So I have a lot of respect <laughs> and love for Jalen because he helped me quite a bit. This past year, uh, your story is is fascinating, and it does fit with some of the themes that I talk about here on this show on a regular basis. I think we should mention that you uh, you're a black professor, right? Which is pretty important to this story. I am. Yes. You um you did a you, uh, this is a long detailed piece, but you would do this uh, this seminar. I want you to describe this with a group called the Telluride Association, and you'd done this for for a while, hadn't you? And something happened in this past year that was a little different, I think, than you experienced in the past. Set this up for us a little bit, Professor Lloyd. Sure. So this is a, a program for high school students to take a college level class, a, a kind of uh, opportunity for the uh, 16 and 17 year olds to have a all expenses paid uh, college experience uh, in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan and Ithaca, New York on the campuses of University of Michigan or, or Cornell uh, and uh, to live together and to uh, govern themselves democratically together uh, for six weeks over the summer. The topic of my course was uh, race and the limits of law in America. And we were thinking about questions of immigration, uh, Native Americans, uh, anti-black racism, uh, mass incarceration, and, and, and other issues. Uh, but in the past, uh, when I taught this course uh, in, in uh, 2014, uh, the students had uh, read the, the material, uh, asked each other tough questions, each changed their mind over the course uh, of the, the six weeks. This time, the students got uh, stuck. They, they wanted uh, everything to be about uh, anti-black racism. And when it wasn't, uh, when we were uh, discussing other topics, uh, the, the, there was a, a rebellion. The students said, we, we can't 
uh, proceed unless uh, you lecture. We don't have discussions, but you lecture, and it's all about uh, anti-black uh, racism. So I want to I want to back up a little bit because you you write this in this piece. I'm a black professor. I directed my university's black studies program. I led anti-racism and transformative justice workshops. I published books on anti-black racism and prison abolition. I live in a predominantly black neighborhood of Philadelphia. My daughter went to an Afrocentric school. I'm on the board of our local black cultural organization. And you mentioned this, and I want you to kind of explore this a little bit. You said that in the past, and this maybe changed your view on this considerably, you said you had been dismissive of criticism of the current discourse on race in the United States. What did you mean by that? And was that in the aftermath, of course, here in St. Louis? We're kind of ground zero for some of this from what happened with Mike Brown years ago. So are you talking more about in recent history where you were dismissive of that? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I uh, do uh, think that you know, there are uh, uh, criticisms of, anti- of anti-racism that are uh, uh, overblown, and uh, that's how, how I had felt for a long time. Yeah. That, um, you know, we, we ought to think about black history. We ought to uh, think about uh, black culture. This ought to be part of you know, how we uh, teach, our, teach our students uh, at, at all levels. Uh, and uh, we ought to, uh, you know, encourage movements for justice when, when there are uh, instances of, of racial injustice. Now, I, I still believe those things to be true, but now I also see uh, that uh, there are uh, problems uh, in uh, left uh, um, uh, anti-racist spaces that, that need to be addressed, that we need to have a frank conversation about. Yeah, so let's let's talk about what happened last year. And you're you're in the seminar, and you, um, I believe this is a, a name that you kind of made up for the purposes of writing it. There, there are a couple of students that you call, um, well, one of them is called Keisha, right? Uh, assigned mm-hmm. to to do some of the work in the afternoon. So what happened with Keisha? Because this is really a point where some of this turned in in a different direction, right? Yes, yeah. So Keisha um, is a college age student who was supposed to be sort of like a teaching assistant. Um, but became something like a diversity manager or diversity bureaucrat in this uh, in this uh, seminar. Uh, she had very strong views about uh, what we could say and what we couldn't say, what words we could use, what words we couldn't use, what we ought to be uh, uh, teaching. And, uh, um, and uh, when I wasn't doing uh, what she thought was right, she would uh, make her own uh, anti-racism workshops in the afternoon uh, for, for all of my students to uh, to attend. And eventually... Uh, she, she, I mean, the, the atmosphere became, uh, frankly, cult-like, uh, as, I, as I described yeah, it in you, the essay. you mentioned that's a word that you use, right? Explain what happened with the snapping of the fingers. <laughs> yeah, so the, the idea was that uh, students would uh, snap their fingers when they, they heard something that they agreed with uh, to uh, signal their, their affirmation, uh, their sort of fellow feeling. But uh, in the space of a seminar where we're all supposed to be sharing different views, uh, and learning from each other and um, making ourselves vulnerable by by trying out different ideas. Uh, the snapping of the fingers meant that you know, uh, people would um, you know, say something that, that was controversial, they would get no reaction, and then someone else would uh, say something that was you know, uh, with the um, uh, sort of um, anti-racist uh, uh, basically dogma that, yeah. that uh, Keisha was putting forward, and then everyone would snap their, their fingers, uh, so it was uh, uh, it had a silencing effect. 
Yeah, and you. one of the things, because what was happening here is people were being triggered, right? These were students. I've heard these stories before, even from around here, but there were um, there were kids that were being triggered by things that were just, I, I guess, maybe even factual that were brought up. You, you mentioned that there was an Asian-American student that pointed out that 60% of federal inmates are white, and the black students said, well, it, we don't like that. that. That triggered them just hearing something like that, right? It did, yes. Uh, and yeah, and there was a, um, a week that we spent on Native American uh, racism and, uh, you know, the problems of, of Native Americans and uh, students uh, complained uh, that um, it was harmful to the black students to spend so much time on Native American uh, racism when that was overlooking the harms that even Native Americans had done to black Americans. So your relationship, because you, you kind of chronicle this um, in, in the piece, which is fascinating. Professor Vincent Lloyd from Villanova is here, and you, you and Keisha uh, are supposed to meet. But then that, that relationship frays right, right quick, and there are even some of these Asian students who sort of disappear. They expelled. You say they're expelled from the, the seminar. Essentially, they're booted out, aren't they? Yes, so uh, they they just didn't uh, show up one day, and we weren't told anything. Uh, and then uh, uh, a couple of days later, we found out that they were kicked out of the the program. These were the two students who had views that uh, were never brought into conformity with uh, with Keisha and with the, the sort of mass of uh, of students in in the, the seminar who were sort of toting this um, um, anti racist uh, line. Right. And when you just to offer another example, Professor, here, you talked about Brown versus the Board of Education and explain what the Dahl test is and maybe how this kind of played into the, the triggering of some of the students. Sure. Uh, so uh, in this uh, uh, famous uh, Supreme Court case, Brown versus Board, that you know is foundational to, to thinking about questions of, of race in America, the, the case that ended segregation uh, in the U.S., uh, the, one of the things that the Supreme Court uh, relied on was a psychological test uh, where a psychologist showed uh, uh, black children three dolls uh, and uh, of different, uh, they, they showed the children dolls of different races. And they said, you know, uh, how would you describe uh, these, these dolls? Would you say they're white? Would you say they're colored? Or would you say that they're Negro? Uh, and uh, when uh, we report, reported this uh, test to the students, when we described uh, this this test, this sort of uh, foundational uh, feature of uh, American history. Uh, one of the uh, black students uh, uh, reported uh, that she was uh, harmed by hearing uh, about the word this, color. The, test. Uh, uh, the the other word, a Negro. There. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and that, that was what, Keisha, yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So then you you know this, and I want people to, to read the piece. Uh, but you you say that at a certain point they. They come after you, right? And they say that you had used racist language, that you had misgendered Brittany Griner, that you confused the names of black students, that your body language harmed them, that you hadn't corrected facts that were harmful to hear when the students introduced, introduced them in the class. So all of these things, they come at you. What, what is your feeling at this point? You kind of felt things were building, but that still had to catch you off guard, didn't it? Yeah, so I'm certainly not a perfect teacher, and I'm, I certainly do do make mistakes, and I'm sure I, I said some things that that were uh, not not perfect, or, and did some things that were not perfect. But uh, part of uh, the idea of uh, a seminar in, in college, and uh, you know, in, in this sort of high school context, is that 
Now, we, uh, we all are the sorts of creatures who are learning together, right? We're all making mistakes. We're all trying to uh, learn from each other and learn with the, the things that we're reading. Uh, and so that, you know, that, that requires a, a kind of charity toward each other. And if we don't understand something or if we don't hear a word or if we're wondering why someone used a word, we have to ask, you know, why is that? Can you, can you give us the explanation? This seems like it might be off. Uh, and, and that wasn't happening. That, that was cut off by this cult-like dynamic that had developed in the seminar. Okay. Now, we've told the story here, Professor Lloyd, and I, and again, I want people to read this, but my, you know what my number one question is for you is, because I'm worried about you, why would you tell this story? Because that's, as you know, that's a very perilous thing to do at this point, especially in academia. Yes, and, and I think we've seen some of that, that, that uh, quite personal pushback on, uh, on Twitter uh, after this uh, essay came out. Right. So I think it's important for those who care about justice, those who care about racial justice, those who care about anti-black racism to realize that there, there's something wrong in our uh, social movement culture. Right? There's yeah. something wrong in our activist culture and in our broader political discourse and that we, we uh, need to remember the, the sorts of virtues and sensibilities that are the prerequisite to uh, pursuing justice. That is, you know, uh, listening to each other carefully, uh, relating with charity to each other, uh, you know, having a, a kind of responsiveness to uh, the needs uh, of, of each other um, uh, and, you know, being willing to change our mind, being willing to tolerate being frustrated for a while uh, with the knowledge that we're, we, we have a common project. We all care about justice. We all want to move in that direction, even if we're uh, articulating it in different sorts of ways. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a conversation that, that we in the U.S. need to be having more, right? How can those who care about justice, who I think is almost every American, be uh, fostering a culture where uh, we can do that together in the most effective ways? And, you know, I feel strongly, you, you might disagree, but here I mentioned Mike Brown, okay? So that was, that was 2014. We're almost nine years uh, out from what I refer to often as Ground Zero. And I, I said it at the time, Professor, and I would hold to this even more so now, that I feel that race relations have gotten worse every year since then. And it's not getting better. So I don't know how to—I'm encouraged that I see more pieces like what you're saying, but I don't know how we reel some of this stuff back in uh, and, and get things to move in a more positive direction. Right. Uh, so I, I think we're, we're at a really difficult moment because uh, thanks to uh, activists, we are noticing that there are forms of racism that were previously overlooked uh, and there are forms of violence that uh, black folks are facing that had been overlooked uh, in, in all sorts of domains. Uh, and that's something that, that needs to be addressed. But we need to address it in a way that uh, it doesn't create new cultures of abuse. Right? We need to address it in a way that's targeted uh, to uh, the, uh, the, the racism uh, and uh, related uh, forms of domination. But, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't um, uh, make uh, us hurt each other as we, we yeah. uh, profess to be pursuing justice. Well, I think it I think it really did take a lot of courage to write this and, and to tell this story. And your story is not alone because there are very similar stories that other professors have shared along the same lines that I've read and highlighted here on this radio show. Professor Vincent Lloyd, thank you. I appreciate you coming up. Well, first of all, uh, appreciate you telling the story and then coming on here this afternoon in St. Louis and sharing it, even in your uh, the aftermath of your agony of the Eagles losing. So that's even more impressive, <laughs> Vincent Lloyd. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. And that is, when you think about it, the story that he just shared, an amazing story, because you have someone who is not just a professor of black history, but a professor who has, for years now, taught along these anti-racist lines. And his 
anti-racism isn't good enough for those who buy into the white supremacy narrative at all turns. So that is uh, that's kind of depressing when you really think about it. I don't think there's a lot of optimism when you think about what's happening there in academia. Good for him for writing about it. Will it do any good? My uh, feelings would be no. It's doubtful. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.